0: Welcome back to the Film Frequency Podcast. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And if anyone in the world listening to this doesn't actually know what the MCU is, uh, it's based on Marvel Comics. Um, So they were founded in 1939, 82 years ago, and they're still going today. And... A f- handful of the characters, let's say, have been adapted into films, um, some of them in this cinematic universe, some uh, with Sunni, um we've got X-Men as well and Spider-Man, and we're going to be talking a bit later on about how all of that is going to start joining up now with uh, the fact that Disney have pretty much Everything. Um, I'm sure they'll buy film frequency one of these days. Hopefully, um, but hopefully yeah,
1: in a good, good bid for
0: them. Good bid, uh-huh. good like five ninety nine or something. Worth it, that <laughs> film frequency lot. Yeah. So we're gonna run through. Maybe just quickly fly through the movies that they've been so far, and we're gonna stop on our favorite ones. Uh, we've got a nice little selection from the first film. Uh, is actually Mark's favorite, and I'm gonna be near enough the last one released. Um, so, Mark, do you want to begin? See, and we're going to start with your favorite, which is Iron Man, directed by John Favreau, way back in 2008. So, Iron Man was the
1: first, yeah, picking this decision as to which was my favorite. I was saying to Ross, quite a difficult task to do. Um, I would say there's about two or three that kind of all sit on the same sort of level at the top. And I thought, why not pick the thing that started it all off um, and potentially uh you know was was quite a risky one to to start everything off with you know um once they kind of got into the groove they could kind of they had a bit to work with i guess um whereas iron man had to start the whole thing off so i picked iron man as my favorite mcu film um came out in 2008 it was directed by john favreau um john favreau was the director of elf i believe and he did did he do something else before then he obviously now has directed loads of different things for disney but um, yeah, I think he started off an actor and then kind of went, moved his way into directing. And um, he casts, obviously the biggest thing about this film was he cast Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, who basically has held the MCU on his shoulders. In fact, I think one of the posters is at Infinity War. It looks as if Iron Man's holding up everyone in the in the, in the the poster. Um so it was a big task to pick and select Iron Man, given that he's one of the biggest Marvel properties. And um, had you heard of Robert Downey Jr. before this? Or is this the first time you'd seen uh, him in a film?
2: I'd only ever seen him in one film uh, prior, which was Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, um, which was sort of a, a very low-key film. And he also did the Charlie Chaplin film, I think, but I can't remember if that was before or after. But yeah, no, he was pretty well. He was pretty, um, from my perspective, he wasn't well-known.
1: Yeah, I've heard of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, but I've never seen it. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, I think for the casting for this as well, they were very much considering Tom Cruise before Robert Downey Jr. Because Robert Downey Jr. had that. um, I think he had a few addiction problems and kind of fell out of Hollywood for a while and had loads of bad press and he's trying to clean his act up. Um, So this is really the thing to push him back into films again. So beforehand, I think they thought Tom Cruise would be a safer bet. But John Favreau was very adamant that it should be Robert Downey Jr. Because he thought that Tony Stark, Robert Downey Jr. Could, could be this kind of likable asshole as Iron Man. And he thought that was more interesting a take than uh, your typical hero type um, character. So he cast Robert Downey Jr. And Gwyneth Paltrow was... Um, Pepper Pots. Pepper, Pepper Pots. <laughs> and um, I'm looking at the trivia here. Get off that. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I think they work, they gel really well really well together. The whole film is kind of, them two being the main actor and actress in the film, I really like the origin of it, of it as well. Like, it felt very grounded. I think Marvel's got very, very big, and almost some of the films you can maybe say have almost become so ungrounded that it's almost a problem, uh, whereas Iron Man felt very much like, He actually built this technology himself, ended up, remember, he he did like a prototype or something and ended up in the middle of Afghanistan or something, in the middle of some war in the Middle East. And I thought that whole portion of the film was excellent.
3: The whole bit, like his sort of origin story, where it's he's the multi billionaire sort of playboy um, that, because isn't that the one where he has that line? It's like a billionaire playboy philanthropist. He says that in the Avengers. But the whole point is that he's like runs his dad's. military hardware like company. And then he's out in Afghanistan to see how these different missiles that he's designed work. And it's while he's there, he gets sort of kidnapped, kidnapped by this terrorist yeah. ring. And in order to get out of that, then he puts his sort of skills to the test. And that's how he comes up with the suit, which is what he like that prototype suit, which is that big sort of clunky grey thing, which is the first suit that they would have had in the comics as well. And then obviously yeah. over the course of the movies he streamlines it and he has I can't remember how many different versions of it you see in there, but it's definitely like near fifty or something like that. Yeah, I think, I think it does
2: from memory source, I think it went up to forty-six, like mark forty-six or something, but
1: it's a different ones. So that's comic accurate accurate then, where he that scenario of him getting kidnapped and having to do that first prototype. I don't
3: I don't think the kidnap I can't remember exactly if the kidnapping bit is, but certainly that initial suit is what he looked like originally mm-hmm. in the comic books.
1: Okay, cool. I, yeah, I really enjoyed that part. I think the, the only weak part of that film was the villain uh, with Jeff Bridges. I thought Jeff Bridges as the character was okay, but then once he just becomes, um, once he gets his own suit, um, I thought, and then you have the showdown at the end. Um, uh, Obadiah Steen was, the, was um, Jeff Bridges' character. I thought that then became, you know, me and John were talking about this earlier, about how so much of Marvel their villains. And I guess this is down to the comics. Their villains are just the up, you know, exactly the same person they're fighting, essentially. Um, like they've got the same sort of strengths and weaknesses as the hero has. And I, I thought that was a wee bit of a letdown, but I guess Marvel didn't want to bring out their big guns with the villains, maybe at the start.
3: Yeah, he definitely has a lot more sort of interesting villains in the sort of back blocker. So the big one, mm-hmm. Iron Man's big villain would be um I guess the Mandarin probably is one of his big ones and that's who that then comes up later on down the line in Iron Man 3 sort of but even now it's not really done very well no. um, but it will be in Shang-Chi so that's pretty cool but yeah so it's um, and then M.O.D.O.K. which I guess and I don't know people are probably watching now on Disney Plus that you sort of what's the show with the little action figures
0: it's like Robot Chicken
3: Robot Chicken exactly it's like the Robot Chicken style and um, TV show that's on Amazon at the minute and basically it's he was he's quite a big character in sort of the Iron Man lore and mythology. So they had a whole bank like with all of these they have a whole bank of villains and I guess it's just how do you not blow your load too early, I guess, with these different mm-hmm. characters.
0: So Yeah, there there was talk about um the Mandarin being in the first one. I think they had planned him to be the villain, but then they decided to use someone I suppose slightly more grounded who they could maybe develop so they mm. could develop the Mandarin further on down yeah I was reading some of the trivia about Iron Man like um Jeff Bridges said it was like a billion, a million 200 million dollar student film because there was really no script they were just basing it on the the action and so everything was uh, ad-libbed and the kind of uh the chemistry between Gwyneth Paltrow and Robert Downey Jr is actually due to this because she did not feel very comfortable the fact that Everything was ad libbed, so she didn't really know how to react. So she has that kind of au- awkward quirkiness around him, and that was all natural because everything was kind of it up on the spot, which is quite interesting. Mm.
3: My question, I guess, for all of you guys was: Is this whenever this was this came out, and when the MCU came out, was this your first introduction to Iron Man as a character, or did you have
2: anything prior to that? I was chatting to Mark about this earlier. I'm a, I'm a massive reader of the comics and I've always been from mm-hmm. a young age. So uh, I was introduced to Iron Man. Actually, I don't know if any of you remember it, but there was a, I think it was on Cartoon Network. So yep, there was yep. a, like, I knew like, you know, the original, yeah, <laughs> yeah. the original Iron Man, like uh, animated. it like a
3: bullet in these. Like, yeah, it was super cheesy, off, so super cheesy, super cheesy. Um, yeah.
2: But that was, that was my first introduction to it. And then uh, when I was growing up around age about 12 or 13 it started to into the comic books um but it was mainly sort of the avengers or whatever uh, you know any of the comic books mm. uh that i was reading at the time he would have featured in it and the animated spider-man series as well was another one that was he was, he right. was in a few episodes in. um but that, that'll be my that'll be my first introduction so when i heard that they were doing the film of it i was pretty stoked about it and from the background that i knew on it that teaser at the end with uh i think it was that one yeah it was the first one Nick Fury came in, uh, comes in at the yeah. end and the team together, that definitely got me stoked because there was a lot of, the, I was reading a lot of the um, pre-Nick comic books back at the time, you know, before mm-hmm. before the MCU was made. So it was great. It was great news. Could you ever believe
1: that that would actually, when that teaser comes up at the end with Nick Fury, did you ever think you would end up seeing a Marvel <laughs> I hoped.
3: I didn't think, I didn't know if it would ever come off. I just, I really, really hoped Um and yeah, no, I was just, I was super stoked when it, because I like think he said, he says, I'm here, he shows up in his apartment or something, and he's like, I'm mm-hmm. here to discuss the Avengers initiative, yeah. and he has like the eye patch and stuff, and mm-hmm. I was screaming, I was like, ah, and, like, <laughs> watching it with my dad, and he had absolutely no idea what I was yeah. going on about, and it's like, <laughs> you'll love this, it'll be in a couple of years, but you'll love
0: it. Oh, there go. yeah i'm the same as john actually i mean my, my dad raised me on all these characters mm-hmm. so I, I like i had all the toys just growing up and obviously watched all the animated spider-man and all those sorts so i think once i mean we had we had x-men at this point and yeah. and they were pretty good movies but i had always wanted to see you know the the big hitters in the marvel universe and see what they would ever come up with so like i yeah. was totally it was like having all that background is like I suppose the same kind of people who read the lord of the rings books or read harry potter mm. and yeah, were really that, excited no. to see the live action done well so the <laughs> fact that <laughs> i think uh, any marvel I, i'm a huge marvel fan and anything that comes mm-hmm. out is just like injected into my veins because i'd had, had so much build up <laughs> as a child like what from 19 early late 90s all the way up until 2008 with iron man and i'm still yeah. going strong now it's just the fact that it's done so well i think i've been it's fantastic.
1: Yeah, no, um, I just I, I couldn't believe this. Um I spotted this the other the other month that Iron Man came out the exact same year as The Dark Knight. And I <laughs> had no idea. I always thought mm. Iron Man came out like a good few years after that. Mm. But yeah, and it's so different, it's such a different comic book film to The Dark yeah. Knight as well. Yeah. Um so yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I didn't I didn't read the comics, but I did uh The animated shows x-men was my animated show of choice but i did watch some of the spider-man um animated stuff but yeah iron man i knew of the guy um i don't think i knew who's played by so um you know yeah how tony stark did it that's kind of all i i kind of
3: knew of the character
1: but are you pleased that robert downey jr was picked in the end for for iron man do you think he he did a great job with the
2: character um I, the thing about it is now, from see, see just from hindsight perspective, I can't imagine anybody else playing him. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's, it's that's, he, he it's did, the same he,
3: sort of idea as um, Hugh Jackman with Wolverine. Yeah. It's exactly. like they've become so sort of synonymous with the character, like, it's really difficult to picture anyone else putting on mm-hmm. that suit at this point. Yeah, but, mm-hmm. yeah
0: so after Iron Man, um, that was May 2008. We did get the Incredible Hulk later on that year in June, and this is the one that kind of doesn't really have much of a, it's lightly connected, I suppose. Um, I was actually surprised, for some reason I didn't even, thinking back, I didn't even know this was actually part of the MCU. I thought they'd already thrown it out, just as being like non-canon, but yeah. Uh um, Was it ever
1: the intention? Like, was it even meant to be connected? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, it was probably, technically it was the first. Yeah, Yeah. technically
2: it was the first. The primary reason we don't have a solo Hulk film, though, is because that uh, company still owned the rights to uh, the Hulk, uh, which was loaned out to, I think that's right anyway, which was loaned out to Marvel the same way uh, Spider-Man was. I think, I could be wrong, but I think so. okay.
0: So uh, we didn't actually get a, we didn't get an MCU film in 2009, but then in 2010, it was uh, Iron Man 2, John Favreau was back. Um, This is another one that, this is kind of the one that, I think a lot of people would put it as like the bottom of their MCU rankings, which I, I rewatch on rewatch, I only rewatched it earlier this year. And if you watch it quite close to Iron Man, the thing, it, it actually works really well because it kind of just mm-hmm. follows straight on. Um, and they're very similar f- films. Um, and then we get Kenneth Branagh's directed Thor, uh, Captain America, the first Avenger in 2011, Joe Johnson directed. And then we get Joss Whedon came with uh, Marvel's The Avengers. What did you guys think? Uh, looking at the first phase, um, do you think it was going well? Um, what did you think of the Avengers? I like the idea that they at least got your three primary heroes,
1: superheroes. You got a film for each of them. I didn't even spot that, actually, looking back on it. You had your Iron Man, you had your Captain America, and you had your first Thor. And then you brought them together in the first Marvel Avengers. So, yeah, mm-hmm. you can see uh, how to make some uh, foundations to your, your franchise. Um DC take some
2: note. <laughs> it also burst the concept of the post-credit scene, which is something that's used like ridiculously now throughout every every you know film that we see um religiously, any any film that's demanding a mistake was going to have some sort of post-credit scene, which was which was it wasn't invented by them, but it was something that was definitely brought to mainstream by them. And every single one, I think, um led towards um, the concept of the Avengers, which I thought was a really nice way to tie in everything and keep everybody interested in the franchise. Um, in terms of in terms of the films, uh, I think the truth is at the start they didn't really know. I think from the the from Iron Man, I would assume that they didn't really know if it was going to work or not. And even even running into um Thor, was it Thor was next? I think even running into Thor, they were still pushing the they were still pushing the boundaries of it all. And then I think by Captain America in the first Avenger, with that end credit, you know, where it, where it brought us straight into this basically the start of Avengers, they had something they were going to push towards. Um, and honestly, I think they couldn't have done it. If you think about it, all of, all of us are of age, you know, now to say that if you looked at that as we were kids, we had never thought that was possible. Even, even Jeanette, mm-hmm. even like thinking about the idea of having multiple superheroes from different different different. Um, franchises, are different, or whatever. Like, none of us thought that was possible. And honestly, even up until that point, with the rights being split across all different movie um, companies or, or different production companies, um, it almost seemed like an impossible task. So it was really, really nice to see them be able to bring it all together into one one movie, you know, like bring every character into one movie, which was great. What did you think, guys? Ross, I think Gordon. it
3: was just really nice to actually have it. I was, like, really pleased that it was something that we got. Up until that point, I guess for me, the extent of like superhero team-ups and stuff was the um, early 2000s cartoon from Cartoon Network, The Justice Mm -hmm. League, which was a DC franchise. And I sort of thought to myself, like, that's a really cool idea. I don't know why people don't do more with that. And then, obviously, I read some of the comics and I knew that The Avengers was a thing. And I was like, oh, it'd be really cool if they one day did this, but I never thought it was going to be, obviously, this big or it was going to get that far. So it was... Yeah, it was really, it was just nice that we had it. I'm a bit sort of so-so with the first one. It's not, again, like there's some fun, there's some really nice bits. Like I like some of the humour that sort of interlaced into that, but that's classic Whedon. But um, yeah, I just thought it really sort of set the stage nicely for what for what was to come later on, you know? I do agree. I think the comedy angle the kind of maybe started
1: with the, the first Avengers, you know, where they were like, right, let's infuse quite a lot of comedy um, and humour into into these films because I don't think mm. I remember Thor being quite serious. I never saw Captain America the first one. And I remember Pan the first around, one. Yeah, it's
3: quite serious as well. And yeah. then there's that
1: iconic panning around when they're in New York City. Mm. I mean that basically I've seen that. And then do you remember you get clip.
3: like that was like one of the first points when you get the score, which I remember at the time yeah. thinking like this is going to be one of those ones they're going to try and push. And I remember thinking, like, you're not the Star Wars score, like, nobody's gonna know it. But now, like, like yeah. probably lots of kids and stuff, like, it's that, nee, de, 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 de. like, it's, yeah. What do you yeah, think I, about this, Corey?
0: I think we've talked about this before in the past, me and you, Mark, but all these films, they all, and this is one of the big issues with the DC movies, all of these movies seem like they're all part of the same universe. Like, the way they're filmed, the way they're put together, and yeah, the sprinkling of comedy, the way they do action, you can tell they're all connected. They've all, they all have got the mm-hmm. same look, even though they've got characters that are completely different from one another and different worlds and different different everything. Yet, like, you can, if uh, you put any one of these movies on, you know it's a Marvel movie, an MCU movie. And Mark, you've spoke before that this is m- probably most likely because of Kevin Feige as the producer, that he's hold it together. It's the same as any TV show. You need a really good showrunner, so you can bring in these different directors, but it has the same kind of, Thread all the way through it and has the same kind of look, and I think that's from the first phase all the way through to what they're doing now, and even what they're doing in the TV shows, it's still got the same kind of feel, and that's why it, that's its strength, I think.
1: Yeah, because you've, you've got, as John said, like you've never had that where you've pro- brought these different characters from different films all into the one film. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the idea of getting that to work, I mean, it's like one in a million basically in Hollywood. So, and as you say, Corey, trying to blend all these different characters together and the feel for the film and the style of the film and making it feel cohesive. I mean, there's a lot of moving pieces there. I'm not sure, you know, hats off to Joss Whedon for uh, for taking that challenge on.
2: Uh, it was also the first franchise, really, really the first franchise, whilst, or during, um, like, whilst the... Um, Dark Knight trilogy was taking place which, which Christopher Nolan introduced the concept of realism in, in comic books so I was the first one to really try to adapt to that concept whilst also trying to add in this, like, this cinematic magic of, um, of comic books you know what I mean mm-hmm. um, so you got the likes of uh, Captain America um, and Iron Man and all those other ones but as well as that you've got the likes of Thor which is a complete mysticism you know, in terms of, like you know, across uh, different galaxies and all the rest, which eventually they were the first real comic book like because I mean, there, was, there was quite a lot of drops and feels around that 2010 era. They were the first one in, coming into phase two that really tried to push away from that with the likes of guardians of the galaxy and and you know all the rest which was nice too because you know sometimes you need a little bit of flavor in your films you know
0: moving into phase two um we had iron man 3 so she and black came on board 2013 thor the dark world uh, alan taylor directed uh, later on in 2013 then we had captain America and the winter soldier that was when anthony and joe russo came on board so they were a uh, director pair that would really um Put the, sink their teeth into the entire uh, MCU going forward. And then we had the, the big the big one, Guardians of the Galaxy, um, James Gunn. So I think this was the first reel, as you were saying there, uh, John, this is when it kind of diverged slightly and it was something completely different from what we'd seen before. Mm-hmm. So this was the first movie to introduce new characters. Um, it's interesting that we had like a, a third Iron Man film before they even really introduced. New characters. They had another Captain America. We had a second Thor. It's in, yeah. So, what did you guys think once you've seen Guardians?
3: I, they, so as someone who has sort of maybe a history of reading sort of the comics and sort of was more maybe aware of, I guess, the world than um, you sort of average goer, this one for is very like I'd heard about Thor and captain america and iron man stuff before guardians of the galaxy had never even remotely heard of i was just like oh this was a very strange one for them to pick and i just remember being absolutely hooked from that first trailer that they dropped where that was um blue suede hooked on the feeling and i remember for ages like the first thing i thought about that movie was <laughs> like that was and it just blew my mind and that was whenever Chris Pratt came on the scene so we were talking earlier obviously about Iron Man and how that was a real star making turn for Robert Downey Jr but mm-hmm. every, everyone forgets that Gardens of the Galaxy Chris Pratt before that was doing you know I mean sort of this cubby guy that was on Parks and Rec yeah um then he got like really shredded for Zero Dark Thirty and people were like oh okay that's kind of go cool. and then this was his first this came out actually it was this year 2014 it was that and also the lego movie and he was the star of that but he was obviously the voice actor in that and that was him sort of blowing up and the franchise i guess kind of went off with him but it's just it was it's nice because as john said it's not the it's having a bit of flavor to it it's it's not your standard stereotypical movie like in this sort of genre i guess it's more sort of fun and lighthearted, which i think the thing needs um We'll talk about the second one in a bit more detail later on. Um, I think my bigger, the only problem I sort of had with Guardians 1 was the villain was a bit sort of meh. Like um, Ronan the Accuser, who's played Mm -hmm. by To he was just a bit sort of like yeah, I it just find a bit too serious. And not really particular, yeah. but just it, other than that, like in particular, the soundtrack for this movie—they they pick really good soundtracks throughout. But
2: yeah,
3: as far as I'm concerned, with the Guardians, like with both of them, uh-huh. like for me, they stand up with like the best soundtracks in modern cinema, like along with Tarantino's stuff and like Drive, and just they're so well curated
2: and fit with the story. Just on just on the character of Ronan, I think the only the only thing that Ronan served as a purpose was the introduction of the Power Stone like I think yeah. that's literally the only reason that he was he was brought into it because everything else like you, like I know nothing about his background and he isn't really a really well-known uh, maybe maybe I'm wrong because I haven't really read too much into the Guardians of the same as yourself I haven't read too much into the mm-hmm. Guardians of the comic book lore but in terms of his backstory I wouldn't say he served much purpose apart from introduction. one of the the key You know, premises, key sort of of, elements, yeah, of pushing towards uh, the Infinity Saga, and also
3: Um, just thinking about it, this is the first. I guess there's like the post-credit scene in the Avengers where we see sort mm -hmm. of Thanos, but this is the first proper like introduction of Thanos to the MCU. Yeah. which is obviously huge for everything going forward.
2: And it was a strange movie to put it into, of all things. I, yeah. of, I don't mean that, but like, you would think it would be going towards more of the mainstream characters, but it was very interesting to introduce them there, more so than anywhere else. No, absolutely.
1: I think the likes of Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, I was just taking a look and seeing what James Gunn and the Russo brothers did before they moved into Marvel. and Very little on both counts. Uh, the Russos did Community. So, again, coming from a very comedy background, uh, which you wouldn't expect from the films they do in uh, Marvel, and then James Gunn, from what I could see, that I, that I you know jumped out at me, Slither, back in the early two thousands. So you know, I think something to be said for. I assume Kevin Feige had a big part to play with plucking up this these talents and putting them in the right places, um, and I think risks like Guardians of the Galaxy prevents the whole Marvel universe getting a bit stale and kind of seem So like every so often you do need to take your risks with your Taika Waititi's and your James guns. And I uh, don't know how much is down to luck. I mean, it can't all be luck, but you know, it, it paid off. Like it really paid off. They, they paired it up with the right people. And, um, and Guardians of the Galaxy, it would have been up there with picking between Iron Man and it as my favorite of the lot. Even re- very rewatchable as well. Ross was saying the soundtrack really helps. And I actually prefer, this is probably a, a unpopular opinion, but um, I would prefer watching uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy as a unit than I do the Avengers. Um, they're more entertaining, I think, in my opinion.
0: Interesting. interesting. So speaking of the Avengers, so they came up next in two thousand fifteen with Age of Ultron. This was Joss Whedon back again directing. Uh, introduced Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, and also uh, Paul Bettany as uh, Vision. This is the first time I believe he was realised as Vision. I have read a really interesting story about Paul Bettany. He was um, he was in a he was in a he went for a, a gig. The guy pretty much said to him, "You know, you're not going to make it in 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 movies." Um, this is this is you done. You might as well pack it in and do something else. And he was literally on the curb in tears, and someone gave him someone gave him a call about uh, playing uh, the you know vision. the role, the vision role. Mm-hmm. Um, or sorry, Jarvis. First of all, because of course yeah. he's been Jarvis all the way yeah. from yeah. Iron Man one. And it's interesting that he was, you know, he, he's still doing it now. And it's you know it's fantastic little stories like that where people were on their way out and they've managed to completely own a role. I read that with Paul Bettany, um, yeah, like,
1: when he got that post, he was just so chuffed to get some money in the door. And he got paid, actually, quite a lot. And he had to come in for two hours to record... No, I think this was the two hours. So Jarvis was introducing the Iron Man 1, isn't that right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, every time he came in for the Iron Man films, he was in for two hours, got a massive paycheck. um, And (laughs) he was never told that the role would be any bigger. And look at what spawned from it.
0: It's interesting, because he... I, you wonder if, you know, if, maybe if Kevin Feige had that had that plan from the start because he looks the part for, for Vision, you know, he you know, he looks like Vision, <laughs> um, which is, is great. But uh, yeah, so then after that we had Ant-Man. So this was directed by Peyton Reed and it was written by Edgar Wright and of course introduced Paul Rudd. I think this is one of the, probably the first movie in the MCU where I knew the actor beforehand you know I'd knew, known Paul Rudd from all those kind of comedies that he'd done and um, I love you man was you know, things like that and it was like how is he ever going to work in one of these Marvel movies and once again as Mark says he doesn't know if it's down to luck or Kevin Feige just has like a magic magic ball that he rolls every so often but I mean Paul Rudd is perfect for that role and he plays it really well I think a big thing about that was I didn't know if he'd be able to do the action set pieces so well but once again, I think he's fantastic. Um, so this leads us on to phase three. And John, this is your favourite one to start off, yeah. Captain America's Civil War.
2: I I adored that film because it came from the same, the, the exact same, uh, or it followed the same story as the, the comic books, which which is one of my favourite set of comic books ever. Um, they, they did do a couple of changes, you know, in terms of how they told the story to, to, fit the MCUs. So in the original, in the comic books, it was all set up through a, um, superhero registration act, which was set in place because of a group of, um, vigilante, some, um, vigilante superheroes called the new warriors, um, trying to stop another super villain called Nitro, who ended up, um, exploding and killing 600 people, um. So they ended up having to follow on with that through. Uh, so it ended up being that uh, the governments of the world decided that it, that all superheroes had to be um, under some sort of register so that they could be controlled. And uh, Iron Man, uh, he had decided to go with the government, whereas Captain America decided to go against it so that they could. Um, uh, so, that, so that they could. Certain superheroes keep their identity, like the Spider-Man and the likes of all the rest, so that they keep their family safe. Um, in the movie fr- side of things, it was all because of the Sarkovia incident that happened in Age of Ultron. Um, I love, uh, and uh, it ended up leading to you know what happened in the story. But what I loved about these films is that they took the 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 normal concept of hero and villain and completely flipped it on its head to the point where you have to decide which out of the out of Who's who's right in the story and not who's good and who's bad. So in this in this situation, the situation of civil war, you have to decide whether or not Captain America was right for standing with his friend Bucky during the during the whole events at the end of the film, or if Iron Man was right in trying to control the the ideal the ideologies of vigilantes or superheroes and how much power they can actually have in terms of the world um so i thought that was that was a great idea and a great story that they could have went off or that was a great way they could have went off it because we don't you've never seen that you know what i mean you've never seen that ever really done in a film before where you pick two uh, massive franchise superheroes and have them fight against each uh, have them fight against each other the whole film was based on ideology and not you know not who's right and who's wrong in that situation which i love
1: again a bit of a tougher sell um in hollywood um you know if you're trying to pitch a film like that i would imagine executives would be like what you're not going to put a hero <laughs> against a villain what's wrong with you man <laughs> yeah. But, uh yeah it's marvel it's impenetrable
3: see i don't know i think the fact that you, i think you can market that because there was the amount of stuff that was like are you team cap or are you team iron man yeah. and all that sort yeah. of stuff you slap them on a t-shirt you slap that on anything and like kid like that's just printing money right there
0: and this was the first one to introduce uh, tom holland's spider-man mm-hmm. so this is another yeah. like i mean once again that's in <laughs> talking about marketing you know i think everyone was i was very excited to see how much he would be in that film if it was going to be like one scene this was where you know they made that deal with sony and i think I mean, I think we have a separate podcast somewhere down the line when the next Spider-Man comes out, we'll deep dive into it. And I think in the early podcast, me and Mark were bringing up Spider-Man every every chance we got. But um, I was I'm big fan of Tom Holland Spider-Man, and I'm kind of happy with where they've went so far with it. Um, but yeah, also huge fan of Civil War.
3: It's also the first introduction of um, Chadwick Boseman as T'Challa, the Black
2: Panther. How does he get introduced again? I've kind of forgotten that bit. He was the son of the king of... Wakanda. Wakanda. Wakanda figure. Uh, he was the son of the king of Wakanda and they were at a UN meeting which uh, Bucky, uh, the Winter Soldier, had been falsely accused of uh, blowing up which caused him to then uh, seek vengeance against um, uh, the Winter Soldier which then led him to, to hunt, trying to hunt him down.
1: In that iconic airport uh, fight scene I would mm-hmm. say that I'm sure that makes like the top five most iconic Marvel fights.
2: That was the it's only, not... un- for me, that was the only underwhelming part of the whole film. <laughs> if you've ever, if you've ever read the comic, there there's an entire, you flip the page and it's an entire um, page dedicated to each side, which is literally all of the, uh, like, I think it's like a hundred plus you know superheroes again like on each side to wow. fight each other in this rush but obviously with the film they only had like six you know? <laughs> <laughs> but even still for what they had it was great you know.
0: Uh-huh. Um, Moving on so we're deep into, we're into phase three here we've got uh, Doctor Strange was so the next movie later on in 2016. Um, Scott Derrickson with Scott Derrickson, the director, um, Benedict Cumberbatch of course as Doctor Strange, and then next up is Ross's favorite one, and we're wondering Ross why the second Guardians of the Galaxy was your favorite mm. over the first.
3: So I've been sort of for the last day, sort of going back and forward um, with this. I as my, I love the first Guardians of the Galaxy as we've already talked about for adding something new and something fresh, but. Um, it all just comes down to a very simple fact that Guardians Two is the only one that made me cry of this entire <laughs> fran- of this entire franchise, which is weird given the stuff that happens in Endgame and Infinity War, and like that was emotional. But this, like that whole scene at the end, like I was in the cinema. I was actually on a date at the time. She hasn't spoken to me since. Um, no wonder. <laughs> but we were um, we were watching the. It was that bit at the end. Whenever. Um, spoiler alert I guess, but whenever Yondu dies and the Mm. Ravagers like his space pirates all turn up and um, do the funeral and Cat Stevens is playing and it's just, and there's this, this, I think what I love is like I love the Guardians so much. The first series is like I said obviously forming the team and getting together. The second series everyone has like a really good character growth and they really meld together and mesh together well as a family like proper like you know like fast and furious style me Familiar, that kind of thing mm-hmm. and um it's just it's it's beautiful like it's so stupid that i never thought i would be sitting there crying at like a, a cgi raccoon voiced by <laughs> <laughs> voiced by bradley cooper like talking about stealing some batteries and it just ruined me it wrote me off because it's it the whole point of the story is that it's um, peter quill who's played by um, chris brad searching for his basically meets his father who's played by kurt russell who is infinitely better in my opinion as a villain than um ronan was because ego his mm-hmm. father's ego is the living planet and he's just like an like he's a dick like he's just an absolute dick there's not like any sort of really complex layers to him or anything like that like he has this it's he's working on grander stakes where he's trying to take over the universe and everything but he's more there's no sort of nuance around him. He's just an asshole. He's just, he like goes mm-hmm. around, has sex with everyone that he can to try and like help further his cause. Um, but I I love Kurt Russell and he plays it all so well. Um, it's just it's all about family the whole way through that movie. There's the whole father-son dynamic with Peter and Ego. There's the sisters dynamic because Nebula becomes a bigger sort of character in this. Nebula played by Karen Gillian pl- with Gamora, they sort of have their like really sort of complex history of Thanos and all the rest of it and then like I said it's Rocket has this whole thing about he's been abandoned and he's been abused and all these things and now he's finally found this sort of family unit and I just think it's beautiful like I, I, I never thought I'd say that about this these sorts of movies but I just think it's beautiful throughout the score the um, soundtrack again is phenomenal and they tie in very very well with the different scenes so like there's um it, it's they're worked into the plot. So one of the scenes is Brandy by... Oh, God, who is it? I like not look this up. Um, yeah, it's Brandy by The Looking Glass. And um, they even have that. The whole point of that song is that they're singing about this girl that they meet, like Sailor singing about this girl they meet at a port. But, like, she's never... She's looking for this lost love that's never going to come back because as far as he's concerned, he can never be tied down to one place. And that perfectly mirrors the tra- the trajectory that Ego has with sort of all the different places that he goes. Um, I love I love the fact that Drax basically became like the comedic side piece of it the- because oh, he has great. this really dark, serious story, the that- backstory to him, and he's hilarious the whole way through this. Like, Batista needs to like stop pretending he's a serious actor and just go full comedy because <laughs> that's what he's good at.
1: I agree. Um, yeah.
3: Just- and then, of course, like the final bit is the whole... Peter realizing that he's had that father figure all along in this crusty, old, just really gross, disgusting character of Yondu, played by Michael Rooker, who's like this weird sort of side character in the first movie and just so many layers. And it's just, it's, yes, like I know it's so memeable with the Mary Poppins y'all. Like I I, I understand why people are, but it's just their whole sort of relationship together and the way it evolves. And he just realizes that. He's had that father figure the entire time and it's just beautiful. I love this movie so so much. <laughs> yeah.
2: I think you're the first guy I ever met who's been cock blocked by a Marvel film though. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, I just uh, I like
3: I just I, I couldn't help it. It was the like uh-huh. I said, the raccoon cries at one point and I'm just like, oh god. <laughs> I think I have sold it
0: pretty well. No, you definitely have. I'm <laughs> yes. such a big fan of that of that movie, and yeah, James Gunn is a fantastic director. I think um, I'm really excited to see what they do with the third one, though. So yeah, moving on from Guardians, that's when we had Spider-Man: Homecoming, and this was the one that was done in connection with Sony, where there was kind of before uh, Disney had actually bought pretty much everyone, where they tried to do this thing where it was it was it was mixed <laughs> together, and I, this was the one pe- a lot of people weren't sure it was going to work, and some people still don't like this. Um, What I really liked about this Spider-Man was it shows how big the character is now, that they didn't even really spend like half an hour on his his origin story. They pretty much just threw him right into it, which was really interesting. Because a lot of these movies, even when they did the one with Andrew Garfield, they still spent the time to show when he got bitten by the spider, and then, you know, he goes through all the trials. And it shows little snippets of that, I think, in this one. But, you know, it just gives us the character as is, because everyone knows who he was. Um, What do you guys think? Is Tom Holland the Spider-Man? I don't really mind Tom Holland as a guy, as an actor. Um, I know Mark, you're not a you're not a fan of him. No,
1: right? I no, I do, I do like Tom Holland. I think he is a good pick. In fact, mm-hmm. I would say probably the best pick out of the three. But the films he's in, I wouldn't be my favorite. My my yeah. favorite are the Sam Raimi films. Mm-hmm. Um, I prefer the more serious tone to. It. Yeah. Um. However, Spider-Man: Homecoming, I really enjoyed. I still, I was like spider-man as a character just like a lot of other people love the character and they nailed the character and i was like no and i love the whole reveal of uh vulture
3: hmm. um
1: in that like it was a total twist um that happened um about him being the girl uh, the girl he's interested in being her father and um, i love that as well and yeah, I think Tom Holland's great as the character. I did think, as you said, everyone was like, is this going to work? Because we've had so many. That, that's our third Spider-Man we're getting um, in you know, mm-hmm. 20 years. 20 but years. it does work really well. It made loads and loads of money, as every Spider-Man film does. Wasn't so big a fan of the follow-up, which we can talk about in a bit. But I really like Spider-Man Homecoming.
2: Hmm. I There's only one true spider-man who, and i i that i've always argued this and it is it is toby Maguire. but the thing is he's too he was too old he was too old to play spider-man right but if there was one dude who could actually implement this this just ugly nerd of a guy yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like with this because he wasn't he wasn't like base level attractive and he wasn't you know but and he wasn't you know anything he, he did play the, the perfect he played the perfect nerd of the perfect person who was antisocial and couldn't didn't have as many friends he only had the one friend in harry and then he when he put on the mask you know he did he did portray this perfectly confident role of, of, a, of a super of a, of a you know uh uh superhero you know um but yeah i think i think uh tom holland looks the part i think he's i think he perfectly suits uh, there was a brilliant thing that they did on one of the comic cons where they got uh he he dressed up uh when he was on stage as like the typical peter parker from the animated series and they were like one by one exactly the same person (laughs) you know what (laughs) i mean but uh he i don't know uh in terms of in terms of tom holland's acting i think he's brilliant but they i think If if you had to symbolize Spider Man, uh, from Peter Parker to Spider Man, the one person who got it 100% right was was Toby Maguire. Andrew Garfield did a good job too, but again, he was just, he was like the hipster Spider Man. He was the Spider Man that drank coffee, and you know what I mean? Like, he would be like 2010's version of a nerd, you know, where there's something everybody hated.
1: Even Tom Holland, (laughs) I will agree, like, no one's buying him as this, like, antisocial awkward individual at high school like that part i don't buy but him as spider-man mm-hmm. and like just being uh you know quick with his, his his wit and stuff i can buy buy that but yeah the toby Maguire thing i think is more relatable to me anyway yeah. you know it's like yeah i was <laughs> that guy i could be spider-man yeah.
2: <laughs> so,
0: so uh, later on in 2017 we had thor ragnarok Um i've put this down as my favorite out of all of not including Endgame, because I'm such a huge fan of Endgame, mm-hmm. but I think because Ragnarok was such a... ..such a divergence from what had come before. I was reading a bit of trivia, and, you know, it says 80% of this film was just ad-libbed. So it was literally just, mm. you know, Taika Waititi is known for his, <laughs> his funky dialogue and uh, the way his actors play. So when he came on board, I think out of all the directors, he was the most the biggest wild card, and one that you didn't quite know. Mm-hmm. And this was like a, this was a real point where, like, a an art house director um was coming on a huge movie and i think i think at the time people were worried that this is where it was going to flop this was going to be the real like it just didn't work it just it didn't gel and for me it did it really did gel you know korg yeah. is hilarious korg is
3: fantastic. Like,
0: like i will go back and just watch There's a, there's someone on youtube just put all of his
3: all corgs scenes in, and I'll just understand.
0: watch that hey, totally out of context, context. But it's um he's fantastic and some great characters in this. Um, and this is the first time they kind of introduce some like LGBT characters. We got Valkyrie in there. Jeff Goldblum's Grandmaster is just fantastic. He's he's hilarious. Um, Mark Ruffalo of course comes back as, uh, the Hulk as Bruce Banner. And this was really interesting because this is when they brought him back after was it the end of age voltron he just went flying yeah. off into the sky he and he didn't in the was. Yeah. yeah um and this was it was pretty cool I, yeah i love that whole bit where it was um oh it's i he's my friend from work kind of thing it's just, right. oh, it's hilarious. <laughs> um, yeah and cape blanchett is i mean i don't, I don't really mind cape blanchett she was pretty decent as the villain um the big fight scenes were pretty cool but yeah i think the the bare bones of it is what I loved the way Taiko Waititi wrote the script and how it all came together. And it was also quite emotional. I think this one is, it, I don't think it's this one. It might be, um, it might be Infinity War where you kind of, you really see the, like Hemsworth has came so far as that character from like, mm. you know, his, his bleached blonde uh, eyebrows and Thor to where he is now. And if you, once you go back and watch all of Thor's performances, you can see how much he's changed throughout the, all of the movies and he's he's like i think he's hundreds of years old and you can really start to tell it's quite hard to do that kind of thing with a with a character you know show his depth but i think he's he's done it pretty well you know loses the eye in this one um shoes what did you guys think of thor ragnarok i think
2: i i loved the film i thought it was one of the one of the one of the better uh, Marvel films that came out—they just had one missed potential in it, and they melded two comic books together with this one, which was oh. uh that Ragnarok, uh you know the Ragnarok story for Thor. But the one that I feel that they really missed out on, they could have used more, was the Planet Hulk storyline, or Doctor or, or yeah, wherever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, where and they did follow that through. So in the original comic books, um, it was the Illuminati, which was Doctor, which was Doctor Strange's um group. Uh, they they chose to send um, Hulk off to um, to another planet just literally because he was too dangerous on Earth. Yeah. But in the in this one, obviously, he chose uh, to fly away in the Quinjet. Um, but the this, the the ramifications of him leaving there was so there was Planet Hulk. But then there was another comic book that came out um, after the sequel they called World War Hulk, and World War Hulk is a phenomenal. Uh, yeah. It's a phenomenal book where basically Tony Stark. Uh, accidentally kills uh, Hulk's family that he sets up. Um, Hulk goes back to invade Earth uh, for, for basically sending them away. And then Tony uh, Stark attacks one of the ships, which kills Hulk's wife and unborn child. And as like Hulk's power is basically all to do with rage. So Hulk goes basically super mode and destroys the planet, you know, as (laughs) like an act of revenge. That's when I was right, I went off on the little one there. But yeah, I I feel like I feel like if if I wanted to see one film, um, I know it would never happen. But if I wanted to see one film or one alternate universe, because, I know, that's something they're leading into in the future. The What If series. um, Mm. I would love to see. I would love to see a World War Hulk uh in any version it be an animated or real life i would love to see what marvel universe would do with that
0: yeah i i totally agree i'm very very surprised because i i had read both those comics as well and mm -hmm. i think by this point by the start of phase three we knew that mark ruffalo was a much better hulk than edward norton and he was really popular as well and i was i was very surprised they didn't try to fit in a hulk solo movie within these yeah. um maybe they were just they were just worried that it wouldn't have made the money or it, it might have failed s- similarly the way the other two did but i uh, i totally agree that was one they definitely should have done
1: did you say john that you think that the hulk is owned by a different studio or something or i think so
2: out? i think he was being rented out at
0: the time mm-hmm. anyway at the time. um yeah that's probably that more research
2: now. but yeah i um i know that that's why a solo hulk film wasn't possible but um, the question, the real question is, if you were to do a, a solo Hulk film in that timeline and not in that, you know, period before he becomes Professor Hulk, which we'll get to, what, what sort of story would you tell? Do you know what I mean? That's the hardest part of it. I, I was trying to think yeah. about this recently, like what sort of movie would you create or what comic book would you base it off? The only one I thought, honestly, was World War Hulk, which, or sorry, Planet Hulk, which we kind of did get. But um, mm. in, in terms of in terms of it all, like there isn't there isn't really a story of him where he where you could fit in something that um, isn't yeah. just him going destroying you know half the half the planet or half the you know a city or something. There wouldn't be you know, there wouldn't be enough in depth into into what you could do with it. At least because you, you
3: certainly have stories that you could adapt afterwards. Yeah. So like the whole maestro, maestro storyline, where it's mm-hmm. like him versus an older self i think like once we go into the the multiverse i think that's that opens that avenue up and i think that'll be Uh, really really good um but yeah you're right it's it's very difficult to Uh because most
2: of the things are him just running around smashing stuff uh, because the only thing we have now is professor hulk but then the same respect you could take in the multiverse side of things you could take things from that say Something goes wrong and it becomes something like the Grey Hulk, you know, like the the yeah, that's true. Um, so there is definitely possibilities there, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, but I, I would love to see, I would love to see a solo Hulk film of some description or something to do with, you know, yeah, it's it's, it's down probably
0: on. down to the the disconnect between the fact that Bruce Banner and the Hulk are two different entities, somewhat, and the mm-hmm. fact you know. It's a, it, it relies on a lot of CGI, I suppose, for the Hulk. Um, interestingly, um, Ragnarok. I didn't actually know this that Louis Frigno, of course, from the TV show Hulk, actually voiced the Hulk for all of the movies up until really? Ragnarok. Yeah. So Ragnarok was the first one that that Mark Ruffalo, obviously uh, in Ragnarok, he does speak, so they couldn't have had they couldn't have yeah. had Lou Frigno doing that. But any noises that he made in the previous ones were done by yeah, Louis that's Frigno. Amazing. That's amazing. I never knew that. Yeah. Um, brilliant. So moving on from Thor Ragnarok, uh, we got Black Panther's Sulu movie. Ryan Coogler, um, big fan of this one as well. What do you guys like the Black yeah. Panther movie?
2: Um, I think it did a great job. I was saying this to Mark earlier. I think uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of um, movies nowadays that try to inject political agendas into um, certain films. I think this one did a brilliant job at um, celebrating um, Black culture. Um, yeah. But at the same time, bringing up awareness of, you know, because if you look at it from 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 start to finish, you have this character who was born into royalty and born into all the, you know, born into this idea that he was destined to be king, and then a would be king comes along to take his place. But that would be king, technically, for all of the bad for all of the bad things that he had did in his life, um, could all be justified from the childhood and what he was brought up to, to be so by the end so um this in turn it it sort of shows you the concept of like how people who end up more successful than others often forget about where they came from or forget you know forget about the people that they're so fondly trying to protect um or or trying to to engage or help with um so i think in terms of in terms of the, the story that was told in um, Black Panther, the real hero or the real justified person in the entire film. What I loved about it more than anything else was that its villain had the most made the most sense. You know what I mean in terms of his in terms of his agenda, in terms of what he wanted to do, um, which was use the power of. No, he wanted to do it violently, but in terms of using a, a much bigger nation, a much more wealthy nation to help improve the the, the people. Improved the situation to the people he grew up around which i think was great um it was a great he was a great villain one of the better villains that marvel's had
0: yeah 100 so moving on this is when we later on that year a couple months later april 27 2018 we got avengers infinity war so this is kind of the, the start of the big the big double bill. Uh, Anthony and Joe Russo came back, of course, by this point, they had been solidified as probably the most successful directors, um, probably the most positive, like critically, their movies done the best, I would say, by this point. Um, So they came back to do uh, Infinity War. What did you guys think of Infinity War? So this was the, the, we knew at this point that this was part one. Um, I think this is probably my, surprisingly, probably my first real... Because I, I watched the first part of the Harry... I wasn't a big Harry Potter fan and I liked the movies, but so the the, the distance between the two films, it didn't affect me this much. But the fact that I knew I was going to have to wait a year to see how this ended. Um, what did you guys think of Infinity War as a film as a whole and also more specifically how it ended?
1: I... Well, maybe I shouldn't start this because I have a bit uh more of a negative um attitude on how it. Ross, ended. you start. <laughs>
3: no, 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 no. Let's, let's, let Mark, let's let Mark do it and then we'll do the damage control.
1: Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Damage control. Um, yeah, again, by this stage, Marvel was such a behemoth. Everyone. Spoilers were galore, basically. If you weren't watching it on the opening night, you were having it spoiled for you. I still remember. Mm. uh In fact, was this. Maybe it was Infinity sorry yeah maybe sorry maybe this was Endgame, but i remember going through i was doing teacher training at the time and the day i think it was Endgame came out i walked from one part of the school to the other part to get there for like period one and had iron man's death and captain america's death spoiled for me within like oh, within 30 seconds um
2: quite your job mark Quit i
1: know, your job. I know the disadvantages it. <laughs> of being a teacher if you've uh, pop culture's ruined for you uh-huh, but yeah. yeah, so going into Infinity War, I knew about the snap that happened at the end. Mm. And even the snap, even if it hadn't been spoiled for me, I just didn't grasp like it it was this cliffhanger that everyone got invested in, but I was like, there is no way these characters are dead, like in the slightest. I couldn't buy into that. Yeah. They just there were far too big, too many big heavy hitters that were gone in the snap that I was like there's no way they're killing them off. Like they had they have, they had Spider Man gone, they had Black Panther gone. I think
3: what was really interesting was that the characters mainly the characters who were snapped away were the new up-and-coming characters whereas the original contingent of the avengers were i think all left
0: Mm -hmm. like
3: they were all still there i mean a part of it so you were sort of watching and you were like well the ones who get snapped away they're probably realistically coming back like they're not they're Mm -hmm. not going to just disappear but you're thinking like okay but the other ones the ones who are left it's something's going to happen to a couple of those yeah um, they were the ones at risk they were the ones at risk yeah absolutely yeah i
1: guess so i guess you could look at it and go yeah. the ones that actually stayed were at risk um so yeah the snap thing i couldn't buy into that whole hype because the snap thing kind of however it was really sad the scene of spider-man disappearing like i thought that <laughs> i can buy into that that was really sad like mr stark uh help me mr stark i don't feel good yeah
2: uh, <laughs> i think uh I don't know if it's a controversial point or not, but I actually think they did Infinity War far better than they did um, Endgame. Um, mainly, mainly just in terms of a comic book perspective, but also just in terms of like having something, having something so big. What I loved about it was not along the lines. Here's the thing: if you knew and if you'd been on the internet or you had read the comics or something like that, you knew what was coming. You knew that yeah. the snap was eventually going to happen. But what I loved about it was keeping up that um mysticism of who and what is because go- they did change they did diverge from the com- from the comic books you know quite a bit from who who got snapped and who got disappeared or whatever um so what i loved was was this idea it wasn't it wasn't what was going to happen It was who it was going to happen to you know what i mean um and i think by the end of it i think in terms of just a, a film where literally you let the villain win mm. is it, such a fresh taste yeah. um, you know to 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 cinema yeah. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't, it, like, that end wasn't an end where people were walking away being like, oh, thank God, you know what I mean? I feel really good. Like, that was one of those ones you walked away and you were like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, you There's know. no hope left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the perfect cliffhanger, I think, of a film. It was. It, it did a really, really good job. And I had a couple of grievances with with Endgame and how they followed on, with, but we'll get to that in a bit. But yeah, I think, I think, I think uh, Infinity mm-hmm. was definitely the better of the two. Of the two or the two christian what did you think of, of the of
1: thanos because i do think they did a very very good job of thanos i mean that is how you build up mm-hmm. a villain um i think you learn a lot of lessons yeah. from how they did thanos
3: it caused me to have a lot of self-reflection whenever i thought like oh hang on a minute, the right like, <laughs> <I> thought, like, <laughs> yeah. just like oh my god i'm, I'm a monster <laughs> but i was just thinking like there's a there's a i mean it's a really horrific logic but the, the logic mm-hmm. checks out um yeah. No, he was really and like not just a big bad. There was layers to him as well, mm-hmm. which I and yeah. like. The fact that all he wanted was just to sit in his farm, um, and yeah. like at the end, and just like do you know what I mean—that was all he kind of was into.
2: Um, <laughs>
3: this this movie actually, uh, yeah, no, no, we go on. What was
2: I was that? just going to add that, just saying that he was the epitome of the greater good. Like yeah. he literally was the he was the the symbol like the symbol of a, a greater good uh, Like his is a the fact that he was willing to sacrifice literally everything just to achieve his goal um mm-hmm. of saving a saving the universe from itself in the future like it's commendable <laughs> yeah um he he definitely was uh, like you know sorry thanos was a hero you know i don't care i'll argue that point. <laughs> thanos is the true of oh, <laughs> the mca yeah this Ugh. um
3: this movie i think also has some of my favorite lines from the entire franchise there's there's two that stick out there's the bit where um they whenever the guardians of the galaxy meet spider-man and um dr strange <laughs> and he says to they're talking about thanos back and forth, and he says dr strange to him says what master do you serve <laughs> <laughs> and, and peter poe's just like what am I supposed to say? Jesus? Jesus, wow, yes. Yeah. So and that absolutely <laughs> took me out. And then the oh, other God. one that's really, really good, which I completely forgotten actually until today, was whenever Thor is making Oathbreaker or the, the Stormbringer, the, yeah, um, his axe, whenever he's making the axe with Peter Dinklage who plays like the <laughs> dwarf and he turns around to him and he says, you know, boy, this thing, uh, it'll be like a star yeah. will kill you. And he's like, only if, Only I, if die. I die. Yes,
0: that's
3: <laughs> what's what killing you, Vegas. <laughs> and that just, that wrote me off in the cinema, yeah. and
0: me off whenever I watched it again today. Uh, yeah, I, my, I think my favourite bit of film is when Thor comes back to Earth to help them at Wakanda, mm. and he lands with mm. the Guardians. Like, that is so that badass. That's the best, the best and, superhero and, entrance
2: we've ever yeah, seen before.
0: Yeah. And he's yeah. like, he's like with like Captain America, but his beard. He's like, I see you're like, you know, a <laughs> in the beard. And yeah. I think that was my biggest issue, was like, we talked about it being so grounded, and I was like, "How are they ever gonna do?" Like uh, before these mo- made these movies, it's like, "How are they ever gonna do the scene where like Rock a Raccoon talks to Captain America or something like that?" Was, that's gonna be impossible, and they've just done it so well. Like they they melded them together perfectly, and such a massive cast to balance.
1: I don't think there's been that many uh, characters. Full stop. In 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 a film, um, even to fit them on a poster was hard work. Let alone getting enough time
0: for each and every one
1: of them in the film.
0: So yeah, in between Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame we get kind of the sequel to Ant-Man Ant-Man and the Wasp, um, Peyton Reed and also Captain Marvel, which is her origin story. Um, Ant-Man and the Wasp, I'm a huge fan of Paul Rudd so I enjoyed that as well and I I'm, I like Evangeline Lilly as an, an actress as well. I enjoyed that movie. Then after that we got Captain Marvel um, I, I know a lot of people don't like this movie but I'm a big fan of Captain Marvel I love Brie Larson. I think the they did. Uh, what Samuel Jackson's aging is pretty well done yeah, in this movie. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah,
2: it's not notice- uh, It's not actively noticeable.
0: Yeah. But- so, so yeah, it was it was interesting. I think the big issue with Captain Marvel is that she's like a Superman type, where you know mm. she's near. She's, she's okay. She's st- stronger than most of them. One of the big issues I think with Superman in in those movies, but um, yeah, I think that's her, her, the only thing I don't really like about her. Um, I did like the way it ended and, you know, with the the little um, pager um, and how they they bring her into Endgame. Uh, Uh So speaking of Endgame, this was two years ago now. Um, Uh Anthony and Joe Russo back again, um, following on from the events of Infinity War. Once again, I think the biggest thing about this movie is there's so much to, to fit in. I really like the start of it when they just they, when they cut off uh, Thanos' head. Right. That, that was fantastically done. What did you guys think of Endgame?
3: I love Thor Lebowski. I thought that was a fantastic, <laughs> yeah, yeah. fantastic
0: choice, uh, yeah.
3: and it was like it was re- like genuinely really heartbreaking as well. Um, so the characterization was great there. Um, yeah, again, it's it's just it's all this coming together. It's more what it represents as an entirety. The fact they've managed to pull mm-hmm. off this entire Sort of story to the point that I don't know if you like if you guys were in the cinema when you guys went to see it. I think it wasn't yeah. opening night; and it was like the day after. I saw the so it's that bit whenever all the portals start to open up Damn. and like, my cinema burst into like applause, yeah. like people yeah, are screaming, yeah. we were screaming. And this that bit when he turns around and he says, "Avengers <laughs> And like everyone lost. And like yeah. I, I, live, I live in Norway, they don't do that here. <laughs> they like hey, hey, hey. quiet like polite people and they lost it and I was that was it, it's just a really nice thing to be a part of yeah, 100%. Um,
0: yeah I've never experienced anything like that before in the cinema because no. I, I, so I think I'd seen some of the well I heard that it, you know the videos online of it happened in America and you know I think this happens like it happens in probably a lot of times in American cinema <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah I did, I was like it's not gonna happen here I'm gonna go to like the Belfast cinema and they're all gonna be like oh that was a good movie but yeah everyone was like Shh. I think I saw it in opening night and there was people crying behind me and there was people that's you know yeah.
1: I prefer this one quite a bit more than Infinity War and I think most of it just comes down to the fact that it was capping off it It had earned that finale and um, yeah like I got chills as well I was like this this is you don't get something like this every you know in a, you don't get this very often you know it's a once in a decade maybe once in a couple of decades type uh, finale so yeah, yeah I that, that's why i even gave this film an 8 out of 10 just like it reached you know it was capping off in such a a long build-up
2: i had i i adored the film um don't get me wrong and when i saw it in cinema i thought it was one of the greatest pieces of cinematic like, you know um I, it's one of those films that like you want to be able to see there and then in that moment like you know with it with all those people around you which I, I would totally agree just watching it again post um, film. I still think it's a phenomenal film, and again, like I said, like everything they did to tie it up was was uh, it was one probably one of the hardest uh, franchises to tie up because of how long you know of a lineage lineage it had. But um, there was just a couple of things that that I didn't the, uh, that I didn't fully understand. You know why they went why they went for uh, the Professor Hulk, although it was it was a refreshing change to to the character. Mm. It was one that I thought. They could have done um, something, you know, it would have been nice to see at the very end to see, the because we had that tie up in Affinity War, you know, where uh, Thanos went up against Hulk and Hulk lost for the first time. And he basically developed, I don't know, anxiety or something. You know, he couldn't come back out again. But I would have loved to have seen, uh, you know, a one like him come back, uh, you know, a triumph over over something that he was, you know, or something that he couldn't defeat before, you know, along those lines. Um, but the professor, I think, it was a refreshing change. But it was it was just something that just at the time couldn't, and even still now, couldn't fully comprehend or understand um, the, the directive or the creative change for it. Um, and he comes becomes quite the, a bit of a goofball as well, doesn't he? The prefer- yeah, I, it's like it's the goofball. Um, and then I think. Part of the pacing, I think that the time travel element of it, part of the pacing of it was was a little. I don't want to say rushed because they did a really good job with it, but part of it felt a little on like you know parts of it felt a little uneasy, particularly like you know they were jumping between um different segments, so uh, different segments of time. So like uh, we had them go back to New York uh, during the original Avengers uh, mission, but whilst that was happening, they were bringing it straight to the uh, story with. Um, Hawkeye and uh, or Hawkeye and Scott Johansson's uh, Black Widow. Sorry, mm-hmm. um, and then her dying off and then cutting straight back. So there was uh, there was parts of it where I was kind of like there there could have been more of a payoff here. But again, phenomenal film. Like I, I sound like I'm 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 mm-hmm. destroying it here, but like it was, was one of the, one of the greatest cinematic history, or one of the greatest cinematic films that I've seen in the last you know twenty years for however mm-hmm. long I've been alive. Um, <laughs> um. And I don't, I think it's going to be very, very difficult for them to reach that level again until the introduction of the X Men, which I think is coming, and the which I think is coming very soon. It was also such a smart move. Like, I mean,
1: as much as I wasn't a big fan of the Snap, it was a smart move narratively, and then uh, to spread your, you know, your supervillain over two films, smart move, and then also to do the time travel. And as much as you're bringing time travel into a very ex, uh, extended universe, which could get very, very convoluted, um, it was a nice tie-in to all these other films because they were jumping back. And I forgot about that until you said, John, you know, they, they jumped back mm-hmm. into all these older films. And it kind of was a nice way of refreshing the audience members and go, yeah. look how far we've come. Look where we started. Do you remember that? Do you know, It's the nostalgia effect. on a, mm-hmm. on a Yeah, really smart. And it, it added mm-hmm. to the film.
0: Um, and strangely to finish off Phase 3 We had Spider-Man Far From Home <laughs> hey. It's feel like Should have been for The start of Phase 4 But uh, according to Wikipedia It's the end of Phase 3 ah. um, So yeah What did you think Of Spider-Man Far From Home
3: it, For me I think the problem With it Was that like it's it's if you have any sort of if you have any sort of familiarity with the spider-man character like you go into that and you're like okay well mysterio is one of his main villains of course this is only going to go one way i thought it was like really clever how they did it and how they and i think it was nice that they had jake john hall who's kind of known for his obviously leading sort of hero roles i thought that was quite nice Mm -hmm. but it the the quote-unquote twist didn't do anything for me because i was like oh well of course um, I think it was always going to be hard to follow. Infinite uh, Endgame, sorry. Endgame. It's, 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 for me, it just was a, it. felt It felt a bit flat. Um, but mm-hmm. I I'd need to watch again. I love it. Has one of my favorite characters, which is Ned. Ned is right. like he's just one of the best background characters that they have. Yeah. He's just
2: he's incredible. I, I think they did a great job at passing the mantle from uh from Mm. Tony Stark to uh from past from Tony Stark to Spider-Man um because everyone sort of especially in that front and especially in that Marvel MCU people forget that Spider like the actual character Peter Parker is a genius like he's a savant like he is someone who who is on par to the intelligence of the likes of Reed Richards and um and Tony Stark, you know what I mean? He, mm-hmm. He's one of those people who just knows. You forget that uh, knows his stuff. With, uh,
1: with the Tom um, Holland to Spider-Man. You do <laughs> you do forget I,
2: that. Um, and that he created his own, you know, he was the one that developed his own weapon systems before even Tony Stark handed him the suit and things like that. But uh, I think with this movie, it was a brilliant it was a brilliant tie-over and a nice farewell to the character of uh, Tony Stark and what he's left behind, you know, with the mm-hmm. whole ED uh, uh, system and all the rest. I think it was called the, um, but the the most beautiful, the the greatest thing, which I think is going to be the biggest, I was talking about this Mark earlier, the biggest thing that's going to tie in, um, that tied in one of my favorite franchises or one of my favorite storylines in terms of um, Spider-Man was the the, the end credit scene with the introduction of J. Jonah Jameson, again played by uh, Johnson's, which I think is a, a slight nod at the multiverse that's going to be yeah, coming very no, soon um with the introduction of the likes of tony mcguire and andrew garfield uh, and with people that have been signed on with that recently like your likes of dr octopus he's been he's been in talks uh, sam raimi directing the multi-person madness um and the more that the rumors the heavily rumored you know situation of son of tony Maguire coming back as well as andrew garfield i think there's still rumors i don't know if it's been confirmed yet but uh the, I swear it's been confirmed by now. I, I know. I thought. I thought the same, but I'm not too sure. But um, <laughs> the uh, yeah, I think. I think Far from Home did a great job at that. And then what I've noticed in the more recent. Because um, it was the first, it was the first film that to use the word multiverse, even if it was, even yeah. if it was taken out of context as as part of Mysterio's show. But we, I've now seen that in terms of the more recent Marvel shows that have come out, the likes of uh, Wandavision and. WandaVision Division and what was what's the one, Loki? In particular, Loki, that Loki definitely. Yeah, yeah. um, the <laughs> multiverse is the multiverse is now something that's been heavily referenced and going to definitely be used mm. in, in future. And obviously, Doctor Strange's multiverse of madness, but yeah. um, it's something that's going it's going to be the new phase forward in what's going to be happening next. So, yeah, um, I thought Far From Home did a great job at tying up the end of Phase Three or whatever way it worked out. Um, it's like an epilogue.
0: So yeah, I think I'll just um. I'll throw a question out here. So obviously we've come to the end. We're at the start of Phase 4. We've got Black Widow coming out on Friday or Wednesday for Ross. Um, now this, although it's the start of Phase 4, this film I believe is set after Civil War, mm-hmm. um, before final Avengers movies. Um, so obviously this, you can't really count it as the start of the Phase 4 because we're not going to be seeing any. We're going to be seeing um, Florence Pugh's, is it Yelena? Uh, Mm -hmm. and it's it's, i think it's pretty much been confirmed that she'll take over the mantle of um uh of black widow i would be i'd be very surprised if we don't have an after credit scene in black widow which has florence Pugh's character now in at the in current times you know maybe talking to whoever's left in the avengers or somewhat but uh going forward we have this multiverse idea there's a lot of people throwing about ideas about there's talk of Tony Stark coming back, of you know Robert Downey Jr. coming back. I personally don't think that's a good idea. But I would I personally think Marvel, up until now, have been fighting with one hand behind their back because they've only just got most of their big hitter characters. I yeah. think you know, I think Mark, me and you have all the way through the last 10, 15 years, how long it's been since Iron Man have always said, when is this going to run its course? When is it going to become steel? And I I am still in the camp that believes that this has is only beginning. Um mm-hmm. and I think once if they can do X-Men right, if they can do the Fantastic Four right, they have a like we saw how successful the X-Men films were, even if some of the movies weren't even that good. X-Men, as you say, Mark, you're a big fan of them. Um I think if they can do them right, this could go on for many years. We could be um especially the Fantastic Four as well, a huge yeah. character. Some of their biggest characters haven't even had their their moment in the mcu yet Mm. so i personally think that this infinity saga could be the first of two or three more big sagas before maybe this one day runs its course but um what do you guys think going forward would you like to see it go the multiverse way where we're starting to bring in other characters from different universes or do you want to maybe see that for a couple of movies and then move on with a another saga
2: i have i have a theory on this one um I think that, so you remember remember similarly to uh, the likes of the original run up there in phase one and phase two, we had constantly end credit scenes and things like that got there that led to something bigger. I think the next thing that we're going to see, I don't know if it'll be in the next few films or even the next few years, but the moment that we event, the X-Men introduced, so I'd say around Dr. Doc- Strange is when we're going to start to hear rumors, Um. I think every single this—it's going to sound strange to begin with—but I think every single moment that we're talking about here will happen in a separate universe, a separate like separate multiverse. So you're going to have the X Men, you're going to have Fantastic Four, because there's no way to introduce things like mutants right now into the into the current Marvel universe without having any reference or anything like that got there. Um, and then the the big and the big crescendo point is going to be something that's going to cause all those universes to fuse into one. Uh, mm. so there's talks about this right now in the in the Loki series with the sacred timeline. And currently, there, spoiler standing is if you haven't seen it or anybody who needs to say, still see it or whatever. Um, there's there's talk there, there, with that last episode that just came out. There's obviously a big question as to what's really going on you know mm-hmm. but i think in terms of the lore that they just told about about the sacred time and then about multiverses happening and all the rest if that's going to be the introduction point to it um i think there's plenty that could go on from there so i think every every um say like the likes of fantastic four and x-men that still need to be introduced will be introduced not in it so much in a, in a universe where they're not going to have tie-ins say like the likes of dr strange and all the rest Um, but I think there are going to be part of a separate multiverse, which is then going to collide into, which are all going to collide into each other in one big massive story now, you know, um, which I think would be pretty cool.
3: Um, I think it's really, I like the fact that, yeah, I guess there's a couple of ways you could do it. I think one, I think it's really interesting how they're framing Wanda Maximoff, um, as of what it appears to be that she's made that transition from hero to villain, or at yeah. least unlikely um, yeah. to mm-hmm. be forced into that. And I think that's going to be really interesting, the ramifications of that mm-hmm. um, and her power. I wonder, are they going to have some sort of event or something with her powers or some sort of outburst that's going to cause me? Mu- I don't know how the mutations are going to be added into
2: it. I don't really... It's the only way I can see it happening yeah. um, is it being in a separate universe. Um, with the house of m story which is what i thought you know mm-hmm. which is what the whole um for anybody who doesn't know that was what the whole uh one division thing was basically said around um i thought they missed an opportunity with the idea of dr strange being introduced there as like the final person to come in and snap her out of the whole ordeal but again mm-hmm. there's there's a lot there if you've watched the post-credit scene for that she's she's reading from the she's using the same astral projection techniques that dr strange knew and at the end of um in the in the house of M storyline she is the villain you know and uh dr strange has to basically go up against her to try and take her down so i would love to see what they're going to do with that and if if her tv series or limited tv series has any ramifications to the multiverse um, story that's being told right now, but again, I think that's I think that besides uh, Captain America or Captain America Falcon and Winter Soldier, I think out of the two that have come out so far, they're all leading towards that film. Yeah. Um, because they all have ramifications to some sort of um fracture in 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 reality. You know, it's just it just I'm really
3: really excited for the directions that they're gonna go. Mm-hmm. now. um, I'm just looking through the list of some of these movies that they have coming out as well as TV shows. I think that's going to be really, really interesting is how they're going to further integrate the TV shows and the movies together. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because there's definitely, and like how, because I guess they had TV shows before, but they weren't, I guess, were they not strictly Disney licensed products? Uh, So like your
0: Agents
3: of of S.H.I.E.L.D. Shield and and all that sort of malarkey. I actually heard um, that
0: Ag- Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is no longer uh, canon oh. in Marvel, oh, okay. so, uh, so Coulson when he dies in avengers all right yeah. brutal brutal yeah there's um, only two
2: characters there's only two characters one of them was into just there and i remember mark asking me for you guys like what my favorite um, marvel film was but he said specifically in the mcu but my favorite marvel film walton's actually blade like 1998 mm. you know the classic yeah. cheesy like <laughs> I, I absolutely adore that film. Um, so I'm, I'm, isn't there a
3: new one of those coming? Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, which I think is gonna be phenomenal. Um, depending on whether or not they take it, you know, really seriously. I hope they don't take it as some sort of joke. You know, like with the whole, uh, <laughs> you know, like with, with the way that they take it, like twelve A ratings because the old blades were literally 18s yeah, and, yeah, and Yeah, they're proper gore fest, which I love. Yeah, I, I'm excited to see what to do with it. Um, I'm wondering if there's any gonna be because one of the big one of the big bads in uh, some of Blade's comic books is Morbius and we have a yeah. Morbius film coming out so I'm wondering if there will be any kind of tie into that um, with Jared um, Leto yeah definitely not <laughs> I'm gonna say
0: no definitely not that Morbius yeah. film is gonna fail it's yeah that's I, great, hope, I, I hope it fails
3: I, I it's where yeah. like look, I love uh, like people being able to make their vision and stuff I just uh-huh. I actively want him to go away and yeah. I just, like, I, I, I mean, I don't know how to do that yeah. other than just, I won't show up for that movie. Even
2: if people are, like, it's an Oscar winner, it's going to get all- uh, right, old. I'm just going to ignore it. I'm going to have to. The only thing that can save that film is if they directly just go, like, okay, here's Spider-Man. You know what I mean? Like, unless yeah. they, like, just Spider-Man and then halfway through, like, nothing's going to save that film. It's not like the likes of Venom, which, again, very, very mixed. Uh, from the first one that came out there I think Carnage is going to be pretty good uh, for just a popcorn flick fellow. Um, yeah but uh, yeah I don't think I think Morbius is a really strange choice like of a really really strange choice and I think it's Sony's like picking it bottom of the barrel sort of thing of what they yeah. have left or what they have left their <laughs> rights to yeah.
0: Yes, uh, that, that was us for the Infinity Saga, working our way through all of the MCU films. I think we did a pretty good job because it's really hard to kind of summarise them all and also talk about our favourites, but I think we did a pretty decent deep dive of it. Um, John, thank you so much for coming on. No problem at all. And <laughs> um, we'll be back next week with another episode of The Film Frequency.